This is the new LOL podcast, and I am Karen Stewart. My goal is to challenge you, motivate, and encourage you to live your life boldly as a Christian out loud. Do me a favor. If you find anything of value, any motivation, any encouragement, help me spread the word like this. Share it on all your channels. And thanks for listening. Let's get started. When I first started this podcast and blog, my goal was simply to challenge people to not be ashamed of their faith and to live boldly for Jesus in front of their world and their sphere of influence. My focus was to encourage people with the thought that even if you did not consider yourself a Bible scholar, as long as you have an authentic relationship with Jesus, that means you have a story of a life given to him and Your story alone is enough to share and something that could show the world the realness of him. And since I've been doing this, I hear often the same kind of comments again and again. Things like, I'm not really where I should be with God, or I don't really know the Bible very well. I don't spend time with him like I should. I don't hear God like you do. My relationship with God is not like yours. Whenever I hear things like that, I always have mixed emotions. And really, I mainly wonder why. Like, not in an accusatory way, but in a curious way. If you are not where you should be with God, what does that mean? And why aren't you there, wherever there is? If you don't know the Bible very well, why don't you? Is that something you really want? If you don't spend time with him like you feel like you should, why don't you do that? Is that something you really want to do? And if it is, why don't you do it? When I hear people say, I don't hear God like you do, or my relationship with God is not like yours, that kind of goes without saying, right? Not because there's something so special about me that no one else can have or achieve, but because we're all different people. And as surely as no two people on the earth are alike, no two people will have the exact same relationship with God. So I'm always curious about those comments because I wonder if there is something that you genuinely and sincerely want in relationship with God, what is it that's holding you back? Honestly. In the Bible, in the Old Testament times, God was very particular about who he allowed to be in his presence. From early on in the historical narrative, we only hear of a few specific men that he revealed himself to and spoke to. Adam, Noah, Job, and Abraham in the beginning. And then when Moses came along and God decided to dwell among his people, the ones that he specifically chose to be his own nation, he ordered the construction of a tent or a tabernacle. And he said that he would dwell there so that he could always be in the midst of his people. But even then, there were only specific people who were allowed into his presence, namely the designated high priest. And they could go in once a year. The tabernacle of Moses, which evolved over time, right, later became the Temple of Solomon and finally the Temple of Herod. They all shared 
the same basic design, which was three distinct parts. The outer court, which was a place of sacrifice and offering. The inner court, which held the lampstand, the table of showbread, and the altar of incense. And then there was the most holy place, or the holy of holies. This is the actual part where the Spirit of God rested. This was separated from the inner court by a thick curtain or a veil. And this was the part where the high priest alone was allowed to go once a year and make atonement for the sins of the people. Then there were two other times when all the men were allowed to come before the Lord, not directly into his presence, but before him. But that was it. And when you move into the New Testament, you see the story of the crucifixion of Christ. We see that the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross replaced the annual atonement for sin, the one that the high priest used to make for all the people. He did that once and for all. And then Matthew 27, 51 says that when he was crucified, the veil in the actual physical temple, which is so crazy, when he was crucified on that hill, the actual veil in that physical temple, which hung between the Holy of Holies and the Holy Place, was torn into two pieces from the top to the bottom, and that completed the process. From that point on, there was nothing that separated the people of God from freely accessing his presence. And that unrestricted access remains available to the people of God to this very day. God has no longer limited or restricted access to himself to only a few certain individuals. In Paul's first letter to the Corinthians in 3.16, he wrote, Do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? And then in his second letter, he wrote in chapter 6.16, for we are the temple of the living God. So, okay, do you, do you see where I'm going here? God sent Jesus to that cross to eliminate any barriers to entry into his presence for those who would follow him. He paid the only complete and perfect price for sin for all time through his own spotless blood. And he tore down the veil of separation so that we could not only access his presence, but know him. Okay, catch that. Know him. The real man, Jesus, who was sent by the only true and living God, who is father. That thing was done. That barrier was shattered. All hindrances were removed. So what could be the reason why we really are not where we think or know we should be? Why don't we know him the way we say we want to or should? Why don't we have the relationship with him that we say we want? There is nothing else Jesus will do to make access to the Father through himself easier or more clear. He's already done all that he could ever need to do to allow us the privilege of communion and fellowship and intimacy with him. So it seems like if I don't have those things... The only thing stopping me is me. Even Satan himself could not stop Jesus from being born, or he couldn't stop the result of his blood being shed. If Satan had any real power, surely he would not have allowed the very thing that would not only give us access to God, but also give us power and authority over him once and for all. He would have never done that. This is not about what the enemy doesn't want for you, or how he's trying to stop you, distract you, or hinder you. Because if he had any real power, he would have stopped you from getting saved. 
He would have stopped you from being and becoming a son or a daughter of God. In the Old Testament, when they came into the presence of God, no matter if it was the high priest or the people presenting themselves, it always cost them something. They had to bring an offering. And often they had to travel a long way just to get there. There is nothing that you can do to earn anything from God. Let me be clear. I'm not saying that. But if you really do truly want a deep, meaningful, powerful, authentic relationship with him, it's going to cost you something. And it is the same price for everybody, no matter who it is. It will cost you everything. It will cost you your life laid down in exchange for his. And that's not really something that you work up to. Oh, I'm not there yet. You don't work up to it. It's just a choice. It was allegedly the choice that we made when we gave our life to him. But it's also a choice that we make again and again every single day when we allow nothing and no one to come before him in our lives, no matter what we're dealing with or no matter what we face. Listen, it's fine to listen to this podcast, read this blog every week to share it. I appreciate you for doing that. I really do. But at the end of the day, there is a truth that remains. The entire earth is waiting to see a real church, a real bride with real power show up and be who and what it was designed to be. A reflection of Jesus in the fullness of his power and glory in the earth. So if we're not doing that, and I mean reflecting him rightly, I think it's time for some repentance and some action. And the action is not a bunch of service and good works. Yes, service and good works are important, but the action I'm talking about is absolute surrender so that he can live boldly through us every day out loud.